0: This boy and girl are going to be well-equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society.
1: Okay, so we're on now. Let's, let's rock and roll. Because we could even do like some subtle drums as I introduce the next guest, who's actually the one playing the drums right now. I asked him to do it, and he's doing it. I like that kind of aligned action. Man, it makes me want to come back for more. Woo! I feel like a wild boar. This is the year that the Zodiac says it's time to be a maniac like a pig running through the forest. Mm, I hope you adore us. We're about to dive deep. This is my friend Doug checking in from the Hawaii island of Maui. And man, I would love to know right from the start. How do you know? How do we know each other? I was just gonna thank you for having me on, and, and I'm gonna say
0: thank you as Danimal, as I was introduced to you at Mike Kristowski's conference for men. It would have been a maybe 2014-ish, um, and there was two. It was about 150 dudes there that uh, would have been difficult to meet them all. But a few people heard I lived in Maui and that I was interested in retreats, personal growth, conferences. That's why I was there. That's what I was talking about when I had free
1: time and. That's why I was directed to Danimal of the Raw Bras. And then, sure enough, I think our next retreat was planned in Maui. Yeah. Which is also funny because Timothy, my brother, who you also adore, you were you were just praising Timothy for, what were what were you praising Timothy for right before we started this oh, podcast? Oh, well, because
0: I was uh, bracing myself for having a conversation with you and miking it, recording it. And I remembered Tim would let me know if I was going off in a story that, he, as I put it, he didn't want the responsibility for being expected to keep listening. If he didn't want to, he would tell me, dude, you're off on a story and, you know, I'm not buying in. I don't know how he would put it, but I needed to hear it. So, you know, maybe it was even harsher than that. And I'm remembering it with kid gloves, but.
1: Yeah. Timothy's good at that. I think Timothy really believes and I resonate with it. The, the most neglected form of love currently culturally is sharing resentments and creating boundaries, and Timothy's good at uh, like I I and also the idea if somebody gives beyond their capacity they may make the receiver a thief. So I think he values his time so much that if he is now he's known that you're prone to go into long yeah. like long stories that he yeah. wants to tell you before you get in the flow.
0: What I loved about it, I don't think he really had a lot of chance to know me yet. I mean, this was in the first couple days but we were staying at the house I think you guys were there a lot for a couple of days and um, we were at your retreat for several days so somehow yeah he was warned but um, I like that about that
1: that interaction with Tim yeah I love a lot of things about Timothy he's just flying back from Puerto Rico today well um and, and that retreat what what stuck out for you that that was a Rob Ross retreat so this is before the days of international tribe design this is when I used to host retreats with my brothers on. Being radically authentic yeah. and eating raw foods and being raw and enjoying the raw land and being raw with each other. And Doug, you came.
0: So I was interested in retreats around pushing one's edges and exploring what else is possible from the standpoint of um, doctoring up my own life that began to feel stale or shallow. And so you had the raw bras going for some time and you just sort of introduced it into this conversation with some of the depth and breadth including raw food i didn't know anything about it but it was coming to maui it was a retreat from a guy i met at a conference that felt like me pushing my edges going to a men's conference and finding out what kind of retreat you were going to do interested me even before i understood what it was but the raw authenticity was the main idea that I grasped. The raw foods I didn't even realize was previously part of Yarl's self-identity because I think that was a earlier chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but the raw honesty was what I was experiencing in other, like encounter groups. is a term that comes to me from high school. I think one of the um, interesting things in the 70s that all the art classes is where they pulled us together and did some psychology on us. <laughs> That's too vague. I won't leave it at that. I mostly remember being told to, or we draw numbers, and suddenly this blend of four classrooms was redivvied into seven clusters of eleven people or something, and we each were given an assignment. Here's thirty items. You're on a raft. You're gonna run out of buoyancy if you keep this crap. So what do you want to throw out first? The broken cell phone or the mirror or the, you know, the the lighter or the plastic bag and. Then they would watch, and of course, it doesn't matter what you throw out, they were observing who steps into leadership, who succeeds at leadership, who rocks the boat, who never contributes, whatever sort of almost archetypes that they could identify by a couple days worth of this encounter group stuff. So that was, I think, an early year of me being interested in raw, authentic experience and conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think that our retreats continue to be an emotional obstacle course, for especially for a lot of the first-time attendees, um, especially like if someone's learning to surf versus someone that surfs. Um, so, someone that's learning to surf could get really beat up um, in the same way that someone that knows how to surf might not even get their hair wet. So I, I hear you it is an emotional it is an emotional obstacle course, those events, I'd say. And it's fun to see people of all levels surf those waves um, because some people have ne- some people have grown up in an environment where they've uh, acted in a way that they're not feeling for a very long time. And that almost becomes impossible in that group because everyone's like magnet, like looking at each other, the magnifying scope, like to their heart center, like what it's going on they are like really caring for each other and calling each other up for what's going on. So <clears throat> yeah, it can be a shocking uh, new culture or a shift in a paradigm of how to relate to a, a group of people.
0: Yeah. I feel like so many experiences that might be considered somewhat similar have, um, has stacked up on top of each other long since my, you know, first one. So it's, it's a little hard to put myself in shoes to f- four or five years ago at the retreat that you did here in Maui that I attended. Um, some really young people were there and s- certainly some of them might have had relatively few opportunities to step into raw authentic communication and experience in a group far from their normal peers. And, um, I remember, you know, having that experience and sharing it with them and having similar experiences with you know different people in different parts of the world, but I don't really remember the first time level of mind blown, wow, this is real. So but but as I try to remember, I think that I recall being stuck in the mask of who I felt safe showing to the world to the degree that I probably had opportunities to be authentic that that were missed because rather than Like I think you were saying, it's hard not to just start spilling it all out and being authentic in this group setting where everybody's being real. But there was a time where it was maybe hard for me to say yes to those invitations because my persona growing up in this culture seemed to be, um, you know how they say, seeking pleasure or avoiding pain are two of the most powerful, compelling uh, circumstances. And um, resisting the pain of of social failure, I think, is a strong thing. Growing up in a culture where you know being accepted is public school in the, in America in the '60s, I guess. I think it's probably true for a lot of people, but that was my experience. So when I refer to you know my cultural influences at an impressionable age, it's the Midwest. Born in '59, graduated in '77, and and during those years how you're supposed to be a man in America was defined by TV, rock and roll, uh, teachers, which are mostly women, and, you know, some stay-at-home moms where dads mostly worked or, you know, I don't know if that's what the term latchkey kids was, but, yeah, people who didn't have any guidance, two parents working, Um, and we don't have rites of passage like uh, other cultures might, you know, take boys out to hunt or on vision quests or to work in a trade at an early age and um you know for me music was available so that was the rite of passage that brought me in contact with more open-minded thinking and you know things like that art class uh, i believe uh set me up for being interested in raw raw bras type of retreat experiences
1: nice nice yeah you have i imagine we could go down so many rabbit trails um it's 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 easy for me to be comfortable in your presence and i'm imagining it's because you've been uncomfortable in a lot of situations in your life like you've put yourself in like fun comfortable situations on purpose
0: that's great i'm smiling so for those
1: who are catching this on audio i'm agreeing <laughs> so like what is what are some of the more fun comfortable situations that you've put yourself in that have induced the most growth, oh. <laughs> that have induced the most growth that would be maybe something you would really want others to consider experiencing themselves.
0: I mean, I'm going to share the first one that popped in my head. Jeez, and it's please. so obscure and yet perhaps appropriate, but um, it goes back to being maybe 18 years old. And I think the reason I like it is it's, it's got some shock value, but it's also just the innocence of being authentic Does come naturally to some of us some of the time, even with culture being so careful to try to say this is how you act. You know, this is how to be Um, and to follow my own instincts has got me in situations that appeared like trouble in the moment and and become stepping stones to where I'm proud to be today. (laughs) Um, But I did uh, my. I just was visiting my daughter who's given me my first grandchild, and now I have two. My daughter had a daughter almost a year ago. I was watching her learn to walk two weeks ago, and um, her mom was my my very first lover. So my first um, love just outside of high school, so high school sweetheart for all practical purposes. And um, in that new realm of adulting, I told her, well, I've... Monogamy sounds kind of challenging, but um, I think I'd have to have, you know, more experience before I could commit to monogamy. So since uh, I'm sure I'll want to be with someone else, we'll just like take the promising I won't thing off the table at the moment. Uh, She doesn't seem to remember it that way, but I felt like that was the situation leading up to me um, having a second sexual partner back in the 18 or 17 year old time frame. So... After I realized I was going to have to make some decisions here and do some talking, there happened to be a camping trip I was going on with um, the other woman and a boyfriend she was bringing along and my later first wife, mother, of my child um, person who I had to tell her like, oh, I did this thing. I kind of warned you it might happen, but it did. And it's, now it's made me sure I want to commit to monogamy. <laughs> so, yeah, that conversation in the backseat of an old car with the other girl right there on a four-hour ride to a camping wasn't such a great idea
1: okay so i'm just making sure i follow the story correctly I, I, didn't, I there was some sort of confusion that y'all were in a monogamous relationship or not you had a, another relationship with another girl that has a boyfriend and now you're driving four hours with a girl that you had that sexual encounter with with your girlfriend
0: right and, and spilling out the, like saying hey i need to be honest about this because it's going to be uncomfortable, but we got to get through it. So
1: nice, here it is nice. That's, I bet that's something a lot of people can relate to is that so basically if um, I, I first like I, I'd like to admit, I, I actually don't even want to care to go down the rabbit trail of my opinion on monogamy or polyamory or affairs. But if, I have a feeling a lot of people have found themselves in those experiences, and it's probably extremely challenging to deal with. And what you dealt, you did was you dealt with it head-on. You brought the two parties that it mattered the most to, and you have them now kind of trapped in a car ride for a four-hour creative yeah. constraint to figure this out.
0: Yeah, I did do that. I don't think I warned um, either of
1: them. I well, I don't think you warned either... It was unclear if they, if you warned either one of them beforehand what you were going to do either, which was part of the issue, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. I, th- I mean, rather than spell out the details of it, I think the more um, significant part is how it's repeated itself in my life to have faced things head-on when it realized... Um, you know, it's an, I don't approach many things with intentionally hiding anything, but if you... Painting yourself in a corner is a good metaphor because sometimes you're just looking down and you're working and suddenly you look up and it's like, oh, this wasn't as planned as well as, you know, the, the backing up view. Hindsight is 2020. 20. So jumping out of a situation where you've painted yourself in the corner, something might go awry. And when it's people and their emotions still head, facing it head on seems like a good way to start anyway, you know. Some things start to have damage control feels like a better idea, and other things are real receptive. You could keep going when there's receptivity, and like tone it down when there's damage control suddenly it feels like a good idea.
1: <laughs> nice. And is there something like currently in your life that you're most facing? Like, what's the, what are you facing most head-on right now in your life? And what's the, what is the head? Because now I'm I'm thinking everyone has a head-on opportunity right now. Or, or we could call it a heart-on opportunity. Like we gonna, gonna, Are going. you going to yeah. get a heart-on for this? A <laughs> heart-on, a heart-on uh, for this. So what do you have a heart-on for right now or that you get to face head-on?
0: I'm pulling the plug on uh, 22 years of entrepreneurship right now, and I've I've realized as I've evolved through different phases of, uh, even there was a moment of being a partner, sole proprietor, partner, LLC, filing as an S-corp, you know, employer with employees, payroll, and then back into sole proprietor, LLC. And now I've realized I just want to um, close the books on that 22-year run but still be like gun for hire to do things related to my, in my wheelhouse under my Social Security as a freelancer. So my 22-year business of making signs had felt like a box I was being limited by. While at the same time, because I went all in for quite a while on that, it's just become my sole revenue for those 22 years. Um, so this year, and that's going to be forced to change.
1: Potentially, somewhat of your identity, in a way, like how you identify with relating to life on a daily basis and where you're focusing your energy.
0: That was so true a few years ago that I, um, you know, answer it with the qualification: I've, I've backed out of letting that be my entire life. But, but it certainly. Almost became my entire life for the better part of a decade, and it's still, you know, my the business part of my life that I'll feel a sense of. Don't want to give it words. I'll be careful what words I give it, but uh, I haven't felt it in 22 years. So maybe I'll tell you what it feels like after it happens. But yeah, it's been my identity for quite a while. Well,
1: congratulations on um, being willing to shed the skin of who you're not to become something new. And something new that you might not know exactly what it is, but it, fe- it feels right for you to move on. Can you imagine a, sk- a snake that re- refused to shed its skin? So I think you're like uh, in tune with what your being wants, and I'm excited to find out where this leads you as well. And I, I find it fascinating, like the sign maker element. I'm looking at the symbols on the drum and I don't know if you've ever studied is I don't know if you've studied symbols or if those if that's a significant topic in your life but since you're in the sign industry I felt compelled to ask I, I just I find it so fascinating I'm imagining that some people might this is where some people might tune out and if that's you I would say pay more attention I want to know about it's it amazes me it amazes me of how a symbol such as a cross or a a a certain type of star or even words words are just symbols stacked in a way can evoke so much emotion in people it's like a laser it's like laser focus for somebody who you know i
0: love your brother for telling me when to shut up i realized that less is more a lot of times and so same reason ted talks are popular and as a designer you know you could spend 100 hours building a graphic that could say a lot in an instant. And so behind the less is more instant, you might have to craft very carefully. You know, you might have to invest in finding which less is more. But um, in, in graphics, if you can just keep working with something if it's a logo that's the kind of graphics i'm mostly used to so we can look at graphics on a drum and and i can imagine the fine art experiences i've had but um, i guess for the point of what i wanted to share was that i think when you talk about the impact a graphic has um, symbols i think was your word so that kind of led me into comparing it to logos which could even go into greek words but not with my help so back into what i know Um, I said laser because it's like a lot of effort can go into finding the impact that you're looking for and if you're in a in a commercial artistic challenge it might be conveying a brand that's either comfy and cozy warm clothes for cold nights or it's like cold steel accuracy for some tech gear or something and and then you have the name that they give you, and it might be their last name, and they might have a warm, fuzzy last name, and they're selling tech, and you have those are your design challenges, but you just have to work on laser focus on what the symbol really needs to communicate emotionally and appeal to their commercial interest in your product or service if it's that kind of thing, or symbols are even used to lead revolutions.
1: Any come to mind that you're the most fascinated by? A revolution?
0: I'm going to go with uh, the Apple corporate logo because it's a corporate entity whose logo certainly has a lot of impact and where corporations can obscure with governments, which can then obscure with um, sociopolitical sort of global concerns spanning, you know, economical and religious and and every other sort of area of our lives. Um, that's kind of my way of not having to pick I have to just say the swastika for example because I think it's it's a broad concern rather than a, than a specific one that um that there are a, a lot of arenas where radical um, galvanizing of like minded people want to represent a cause and perhaps having a brand it's like a brand when we think as as I know we're both entrepreneurs so thinking like an entrepreneur your brand is a as you grow and your message is being embodied by the troops, the tribe, not just one person, um, the the cohesion around a unified force is having things like a mission statement, having an understanding of who we are and what we're about. And so, if uh, if a graphic can be worn on Superman's chest or cape or your company, you know, swag. Um, back to Apple, if you if you feel good about a a company's corporate culture, then using their products doesn't chafe against your core values as much. And so that was just a good example, I think, for graphics and their emotional impact that also appear in the commercial world and can grow so huge that they could be used by you know forces of good or evil related to money or power.
1: Yeah, the, it's so funny you bring up the apple graphic because it's fascinating how it's the bite out of the apple that would could easily allude to also what the Bible symbolizes as like the fall from grace or like the fall of man. Interesting. And then I also think about that parallel with um, A Wrinkle in Time, produced by Disney. Have you ever seen that? Probably. Oprah plays in it. <laughs> That's cool. Oprah apparently has just have you heard that she has like three houses here in Maui? Did you know about that? I
0: had a friend of mine who did um some electrical work on her property for weeks and weeks and weeks and told me all the protocol that they were under
1: as to how to behave on on the on the grounds. I bet she's an expert at creating some creative constraints
0: yeah, I think my electricians were supposed to do electric work, not look up or see people or talk to people. Mm-hmm. That seemed a little bit cold for you know such a warm and friendly entrepreneur that i would look up to for many of her quotes or beliefs or um, charitable donations but yeah on a small island like this coming and being such a powerhouse that's legitimate rights to secrecy and you know protection or whatever um, she's kind of been referred to as not not the poster child of aloha even though i i happen to look up to her
1: Wow, yeah, that sounded like borderline gossip, but it also sounded like good information to understand the cultural understanding. Like maybe that's how people here may see Oprah, how you just described. A lot of people here may see her that. Oh
0: yeah, or... I mean, I think the electrical comment might might be gossip. I might have stated that wrong, so I'll retract that. But Not the <laughs> that
1: gossip is wrong. I do have but... a I do have a thing, a chapter in my book called "Record Your Gossip." Yeah. Or a well, WS. I think or that
0: um, that's heading face on. Is that if I've been Here long enough to have heard multiple voices expressing an observation of Oprah that adds up into, you know, one little container. My Maui heard on the street container is different than my personal observation of her, the media persona. And uh, I still believe the media persona.
1: Yep. Yep. And I'm so now I want you to meet Oprah and have your own perception and me too. I'd love to meet Oprah as well. Um, because it's amazing. Like knowing some people that have been extremely high in demand and being extremely in their presence, like say JP, like going to Byron Bay, Australia, and he just did a video about Byron Bay, Australia being the most ultra spiritual place in the world. And like walking around the streets with him. It, I, I I don't know how he does it. I'm like, man, I could see like for him to take care of himself, it might come off as him being a dick. Because there's just so much, Most love coming so at. much. Yeah. Well, that's why I was trying to acknowledge that my
0: awareness of a uh, superstar's need for protection is going to look or feel like, um, you know, isolating themselves from the common man. But there's a 10x or 100x more common man than women around a celebrity. So, of course, they're going to need more gatekeeper, more gatekeeping.
1: And I want, to like, I want to kind of give people a heads up about that. That's why I think my call on that is like if you message someone that has a million followers on their Facebook page or 100,000 or 10,000, and they don't get a response right away or they're not as responsive if you want them to be or to your emails, like sometimes those people have to surrender to what's best for them as well. And uh, to have empathy about that, because you can be in that position too. I think anyone can be in the position of millions of people demanding their attention. So if you if you have never been in that position or never been in the presence of someone in that, um, that co- like context of their life. Look deeper I, I say that almost because I've people definitely got offended by me like from me and and something like it's just because a message I haven't seen in so long and that's their story. I'm not thinking I actually offended them but that's, that's why I was like I want to talk about that for a second it's
0: it's um, smirking now because I remembered I thought you know the mind leaps to relevancy. So, um, you know, what does your comment make me think of and is it relevant enough to share back if you look at me and say, you know, pass me the mic. But um, the first thing that came in my mind was taking issue with um, scheduling of mastermind meetings when there a couple of times when you would change, uh, it felt like it was somewhat arbitrary or late in the game. And when it happened a second time, I was like, oh, i got to tell him how I feel. doesn't mean he's going to change it because he's got a wife and a kid and he's run these things before and there's only X amount of people in the thing and we might all have a different opinion. <laughs> but I'm going to state my opinion anyway. So I was like, yeah, you know, thinking that for you to value our time, that you should be changing it at the last minute because then it might make it difficult to reschedule and be available for the new time. And it also might leave a, a gap that I'm unable to fill that I had left for you. So that was a funny irony around raw, authentic honesty and time management and other people's, um, you know, being considered in advance of them. But at first, I thought I was like going to be saying, "Yeah, you're right. I, here's another example." <laughs> but it's more, uh, yeah, playfully twisting it back
1: on you, brother. <laughs> so, all right. So to be clear, basically, you're kind of going. You're confronting me about something that happened in between us in the past.
0: Uh, well, in your business, but it was um, accidentally confronting because I really thought, oh, I have another time management issue that we were both part of. That's it, it relates to what you're talking about, but okay, okay. it was yeah. an upside down version of relating to it. So. Well,
1: I, first of all, I appreciate. You. I, I love that you brought that up, and I uh, what it reminds me to bring up is that I, first of all, once again. I, I, yeah, that was rare for me. It's like rare for me to do... I'm pretty strict on time as well. I know. That's what I would have thought. And I had such... I think there was New Baby crazy, World Oh Yeah, something. there was New Baby World. And that was the month when I would describe as the closest thing that I could... I've heard people talking about like Ascension sickness or Ascension flu and Kundalini rising. Oh, okay. And I had some crazy things happen to me that month. I had like a well, good for you. day vertigo. <laughs> put it that way. I had a vertigo that was crazy. I've never had vertigo before. and um, Anyways, there, uh, the reason I want to bring that up is if anyone wants to hear that story, I, 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 so many people were asking me about it at one point. I made a video explaining it, and I have like a link that I can share with anyone. So you can send me a direct message at daniel at breakingnormal.com or my Instagram page. And I'd love to share that with you if you've had something similar because... The Ascension Vertigo. Yeah, I I was at the point where I was Googling it and trying to understand what the... Is this actually happening? Like, what is this? And it was... Yeah, it was the closest thing I could tie it or associate it with.
0: Yeah, I I think I'll tie you offline a name. Then we can go look on Facebook together or something. But uh, watching... Watching an acquaintance perhaps having an ascension that's making their uh, social graces are being put second to their um, dramatic clarity on purpose and vision. So like ruthlessly clear on on, on this person's life to the point that it makes other people like want to Baker Act, my friend, but my friend is sharing so much clarity it's kind of hard to turn off. The feed, even though there's a lot of content, because it, this friend seems to be getting a lot of rapid downloads that feel, they feel pretty clear. It's just can like
1: you give us an example oh, because that is so vague to me. I'm like, can you like, <laughs> well, give me examples of what?
0: <laughs> maybe we, you should say, yeah, if it needs to be off camera, let me just change the subject because if that's what I want to do, then maybe that's what we got to do. For you, me to satisfy your curiosity. Oh,
1: yeah. So this is an offline topic. Maybe. You know, it's yeah, out what, of a res- what a teaser. What uh, a teaser. Well, how
0: can I like, respect my friend's privacy and still answer enough questions to Yeah, no satisfy pressure. The curiosity.
1: No pressure. I, I, I think there might be a way you can just well, here, make it all so anonymous. So I, I got the perfect segue. Okay. Nice. So
0: I told you something that um, besides going to your retreat in Maui, which we've told today's podcast audience that um, after I met you, you came to Maui for a retreat, and I live here and was at the retreat. And uh, in addition to that, then I've had the mastermind, which I alluded to a minute ago. So in that mastermind, um, I made a lot of great friends, just like in the retreat. And um, one of the friends offered her network, or at least the other people on the mastermind, I forget how whether it was offered in that group Facebook page, but it was offered uh, that she would help people to launch their first Facebook Live. And I said, yeah, help me. You know, I thought it would be just some, like, empowerment, like motivational speaking and, you know, like goal-setting tools or whatever. But it ended up being like, come on, just do it today now with no plan right after we hang up. And it wasn't the first thing she said, but by the end of the call, I agreed to just do a Facebook Live without knowing what I was going to say. And so why I'm bringing it up now is because what I ended up saying was – uh I don't like that I've compartmentalized the reach that I have through social media um, into people, you know, friends or family and or friends in real life or customers of my business for the last 22 years or peers that are in the same trade that I know internationally from, you know, traveling and connecting with other sign makers. So I've had these you know, areas of my life that I've met, you know, 100 or more people that I've made a pretty good connection for um, staying in touch with through Facebook, for example, and uh, and private forums about sign making. Or, but to, to put my voice out into the center of the room and not want to filter it, to dumb it down to like, well, I'd be a little more raw with my friends at Burning Man, but if some of the customers for my business are in the same pool of who reads my Facebook shit, then I'm going to dumb down the Burning Man shit to be like palatable to people that might walk into my business tomorrow, you know, with nice shoes on and an Aloha shirt, and wanting to trust me with their money, um, and I don't want to do that anymore. Basically, that's what I told Ashley in the call with her about um, doing a Facebook live because we were talking about different ways I want to show up in the world besides just how I used to. Um, and and then the threat of if I if I get my meal ticket and my you know put gas in the car. Or my expendable income from sign making, then I want to treat that revenue stream with with respect. And, and if anything, that might shut it off because I'm confessing that, you know, I don't live and die for signs. I actually go to Burning Man and I want, you know, more spiritual experiences and probably take, you know, plant medicines again to, to have that because I don't feel like I'm complete on really looking at this world we live in. I For a while, I was looking at my recreational explorations of life instead of getting a job for so long that I finally felt like I'm out of balance. I got this freestyle and lifestyle down, but this whole commercial capitalism thing, I thought the shit was going to hit the fan from high school till I was in 30 practically. And I finally thought, well, if shit didn't hit the fan, maybe I should see if capitalism can work for me instead of avoiding it like the plague. But you know, for me, it's kind of run its course again, and I want to go back to be an authentic, unified personification of what is true for me. And to share that publicly is that's kind of the new leaf that this podcast is really pioneering. Following up, Ashley's encouraging me to go live a couple months ago, where I said some things that I definitely wouldn't have normally said when a customer might be listening. And just things like, I want to wrap it up with this business. I want to do other things. So that's what's that's what's real for me right now.
1: Awesome. Awesome. That's great to know. That's great to know. I mean, I want to, choose, so you're, it's like you're, this is such a theme. I literally do these Captain Obvious sessions. And if so, anyone is, is interested in taking me up on that, it's like an hour long call or video chat where I basically call the other person up on any potentially obvious obstructions in them uh, uh, living the life they're saying they want to live that other people may be not sharing with them for other re- needs for some reason whether because it would come off too harsh or whatever it is so I just go head on with them I confront the elephant in the room and we keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going until there's like a phew, that sign of clarity and that's pretty much what I usually that's the pattern the pattern is that people, or not? They're 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 the heaviness. They're done with the heaviness of hiding, and they're done with acting like one place in front of their wife, and another place in front of their parents, and another place in front of their spouse, and their place in front of their parents, and their place in front of their kids, another way in front of their kids, another mask in their church, another mask in this club, another and I'm like and they want to start embodying who they are because they have these glimpses. They have glimpses of who they really are, whether it's like when they go k- out karaoke or whether they yeah. go out hunting or whether it's they go out for a plant medicine ceremony or, they're the, or they go surfing. There's like a glimpse of when they feel the most alive. And it seems like the people that want those Captain Obvious sessions are at a tipping point where they really need like a, someone to shove it in their face and be like, to say whatever's holding them back to get in the back seat because they're taking over. They're, like, they're they're letting their passion guide their way regardless of what others think. And that that reminds me now of like people that are on social media, they're quiet. Now you kind of illuminate a reason. I'm like, oh, maybe one of the reasons those people are quiet on social media is because they have different personas for different social fields. And it's just too much for them to even show that socially. And that, hmm. I don't know. I I trust that there's a better way, and that I I I feel better when I'm more myself, regardless of the environment.
0: And I think we want to believe that the people around us are showing us the truth, and if not the whole truth, at least it's dimmed, altered, or protected for um, you know, for the same reason for everybody. That how much are they ready to show the world is how much they're going to show me. Not just like, oh, I'm the I'm in this clique, so I can I can handle this much and you know, i want people to be real with me and uh i want and i would expect them to want the same
1: yeah What you just reminded me is a little bit of gang activity whether it's a good gang um like at the 4H club or whether it's a more rougher gang that it is a lot of people find them i think in their gangs uh, whether or their tribes or their families <laughs> or their whatever the group think group is yeah they, I, I think, when they leave that, it can be extra challenging. Like, if if you want to know if you're usually hanging around groups that are more based on thought versus heart, when you leave your group, is it very easy for you to acclimate to other groups? Because I think when someone's coming like from a heart-based frequency and they're not, they're acting in a way that's authentic to them and not seeking approval, that they can almost fit in anywhere. They can create a group anywhere. For someone that it's like literally. Oh, that sounds perfect. I get literally, it. Yeah. Literally trying to find a group that'll just like they can agree on one thing, like and I and I, based on my last podcast, I think like veganism is one of these, and many religions. Many religions are one of these things. If there's a strict set of rules that we can all agree on, then we're very clear on how we're teaming up. And it's like this. That's to me more of a, a group think. Yeah. And a heart think a heart sink would be more like. I don't actually know if I believe the same as you. I actually don't know exactly what I believe, and I'm willing to figure it out and tell you about it. Both of them sound like what I was going to reflect
0: back that I agreed with you, but it sounds like a duality when you're saying it to me, and I was I'm not seeing the split yet, but I do feel like um, feeling safe to not have to choose a path and genuinely be interested and curious about a variety of other people who are saying, oh, I'm a Buddhist or I'm a Catholic or I'm a um, Jehovah's Witness or, or I'm an atheist. And, and I don't have to pick one of their camps in order to genuinely engage with them and say, like, I mean, I was born a Christian and I didn't, like, sign a paper saying I'm not one, but I decided that a lot of it seemed parable-ish rather than, you know, fact for fact, letter of the law. Born of a virgin mother is the the first big hard to swallow one for a scientist. So if I decide, well, I don't have to pick yet whether I'm sure of all that, then I could just go ahead and get born and bred as a Christian for another decade or so. And later, when I wanted to like hear about other stuff, I didn't I didn't feel like I was uh, so much allegiance that I couldn't open my mind to being genuinely curious about other things. So I guess that's feels like it's sort of straying, but on the topic of you know, wanted to genuinely hear what people really are instead of have a different mask for which group you are not being.
1: Well, yeah, a lot of people there, I mean, a lot of those groups, so when I think of the Christian one, of if someone's lukewarm, like I, I remember people regurgitating verses around the idea when someone's lukewarm, they'll be spit out, and like being lukewarm is the worst. So then people are incentivized by these, their beliefs around these ideas to not be lukewarm. Has anyone ever confronted you with that from the Christian world? Being like, you can't just be lukewarm about everything. you got to well, make a decision, man. The
0: closest thing to that is that when some people would try to convert their friends um, and other people would be like, what the fuck? I thought it was like live and let live. And I'm like, no, that may be your religion. Ours is like we're supposed to convert you. That's what I'm signed on for and believing in this Christianity thing. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't read that far ahead. I was still on like... Okay, my parents told me to go read this stuff, and I haven't necessarily found a better book, but I haven't necessarily read all of this one either, which metaphorically and realistically, that's where I'm at with, with that deep topic.
1: Uh, cool. I was wondering, though, has anyone ever came at you with that way? like
0: Sp- Specific? Well, I think like the whole must, religion is that Leekworm not an option. It's like, ugh, yeah, you it must all.
1: accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And, yeah, go out and preach it, too. So, I see my iteration was more that you have to believe that. That's what I was more. My culture from a lot of my teenage years, especially, was revolved around like that one must believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior to be, spend eternal life in heaven. The evangelical part felt more optional, but this is probably why there's so many different iterations of the Christian religion. The evangelical part felt more optional. You mean like to go out and preach it to other people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but there okay. was this pressure. There was like this subtle pressure, like yeah. If they, I was an acolyte really for a this. while, so
0: I was already getting into you know the other side of that that aisle. That you were a what? An acolyte. What's uh, an acolyte? Oh, and I was in Episcopal Church. Okay. And so they had different roles where you could wear uh, what do they call them, like a cassock.
1: So you were geared up, like yeah. part of you were playing part of the culture.
0: Like yeah, were... I went into the Christian church as a. Um, a from birth, pretty much, but then I grew up as an adolescent, serving on occasional Sundays where I'd hand the wine to the dude, and he'd mix it with water, and and I never was the guy giving out the um, the bread bread and wine, but that would have been the next logical step if I stuck around, and um, but I ended up like suddenly I just wasn't for me, and I just I didn't be like fuck this shit it's like worse than I ever thought I just was like. I don't want it anymore.
1: Yeah, I find that interesting. I guess some people are triggered by it because maybe they allowed their beliefs around it to subdue who they really were, and they end up resenting it. Because sometimes I'm like, man, even ultra spiritual people seem to be like the Jesus word, Jesus in Encinitas. That's like a kind of a dangerous word to say. Like, depending on how it's used, if it's used in the traditional like Southern Baptist evangelical Christian context. That could definitely that would be one of the more challenging social words I would say to say in Encinitas, which is a very spiritual place. So I find it fascinating how. That's another topic, another time. I just want yeah. I want to bring it up. I I love cool. I love people that evangelize. Like um, my last guest, I would consider her an evangelical vegan, and she kept evangelica evan, evangelizing about the message that I did not agree with, where I kept disagreeing with her, but I was so happy. To hear her express her truth.
0: I found my thoughts wandering to where the topic of spirituality intersects the topic of me being your guest in January of 2019. And I, and I thought of a little anecdote I wanted to share. So I just came back from uh, visiting my family, as I've mentioned to you, meeting a couple grandkids and, and mostly you know, spending some time with my mom who's going to be 91 in less than a week. Um, or just about a week today. It should be 91 on in the 7th, so a little over a week. Uh, but I'm back, and I came back, and I had scheduled a 10-day silent meditation retreat That because um, I'm also having a birthday on Saturday, which I had mentioned to you, and I had been booked to sit in silent meditation with a group of some friends and some just awesome people that I would eventually feel like were friends. But for 10 days, not even making eye contact or talking in in my own tent when I wasn't meditating or doing yoga. It's like a Vipassana, but with yoga. So here in Maui, Kepassana, Kepassana.org. But um, one of the real powerful experiences I've had that brought my meditation practice into many, many more hours a day, several days in a row, while ex- experiencing noble silence, which was I wasn't journaling, absorbing any kind of content. I surrendered my phone to them at the beginning. The The first one I completed was a six-day course. Um, I've attended as a server, volunteering in the kitchen and helping in other ways, and then getting to, s- to sit through meditation and yoga sessions for two or three days. But this would have been 10 days that ended right about today. And uh, so a number of people are just coming out of that experience now. But I really wanted to do it, but I just looked at where I was at in my life. There's enough other profound things going on. I mentioned the change to my business is on, you know, the calendar date of December thirty first, pulling the plug on, running that set of books, but there's all these other processes and tying up loose ends with transitioning from that business with a federal employee ID number and then becoming a freelance working with a separate G tax license under my social security number, a different tax structure. It's a lot of like legal end of the year is a good time to do it, but because the work Makes sense; it fits the forms, but there's still a lot of work to do. So I thought, with all that work, it just wasn't the right time to, you know, practice being able to be silent. It's very challenging, but I knew I could do it for ten days. And then I realized, if you know, because of work and other mundane tasks at hand, I was going to put off this amazing ten-day retreat experience. I came up with a challenge for myself. So this is the interesting part. (laughs) Thanks for hanging in there. Um, I wonder if Timothy would have cut you off in there. Timothy (laughs) might have cut me off. Um, So I've decided if I'm not going to do that retreat, there's there's something I really need to work on more than talking too much or um, learning to do a silent retreat. And that is that I've noticed various triggers that still get my goat and they've caused me to be Um, unprofessional or just unpleasant to customer service representatives on the phone. Um, Traffic is sometimes an area where a road rage type of response that seems a little bit less restrained. And I think in retrospect, it's because there's less human contact. So it feels a little bit more comfortable for me to to start to just let my anger out. Um, And so, yeah, God forbid people on the phone who I don't know who I think I'm paying their salary if they're you know, not on the ball for me sometimes, or they seem like they, and I don't, it's, it's, I'm ashamed to try to articulate it, but it's also challenging. So for the sake of the story, let's just say these angry outbursts are totally within my control, but I've, I think through a dark side of business where time and money are, it's like it's legitimized that we can be protective of our time and money and count minutes and count pennies and be trying to choose efficient paths to make more pennies in less time. So I became an asshole around time and money, I think from my years in business. And it started creeping out of real obvious time and money areas just into any time. Self-righteousness is what I decided is the key phrase for when I feel like I'm right. um, This righteousness this, this ugly anger outburst has been something I've managed to tolerate. So I decided that's my that's my retreat. Um, I, I decided to just believe that I could control that um, involuntary response. That it's totally within my control. If I can sit in silent meditation for 10 days, but avoiding all my work and avoiding the real life, what kind of fucking spiritual path is that? Why don't I just get back into the nitty-gritty of my everyday life? And if I want to ascend into some spiritual place, why don't I quit being an asshole for 10 days?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Timothy, good. if you hung on
0: till the end, um, you know, I hope it, the impact was worth it because that's a, that's a real realization. It's more than a story. That's really what's going on for me is owning that shit. And I'm doing really well, by the way, to let you know that the last 10 days I've been really proud of – seizing these opportunities where anger starts to feel like a tightness in my chest or or a whole series of righteously indignant barrage of berating someone and or justifying with some intellectual justification I just suck that shit back in and I try to grind it up with love and patience and understanding and it ends up evening out like a smoothie of sort of getting through life instead of reacting to a little piece of pepper in there that got me bitter for a minute
1: yeah talk about it talk about it. that's called emotional intelligence it's called surfing it's called balance it's called harmony synergy so thank you for uh that <laughs> yeah yeah i like i like that i'm like yeah that's a good way I'm feeling, I'm feeling good i'm feeling complete i know we can go down so many other things and I want to so I want to thank you for expressing yourself and is there anything that like right now right now I know we're approaching the 51 minute mark this is perfect right now here you are the world you have the world's attention for 3 minutes the world's attention for 3 minutes what kind of talks like what story do you want to talk what story do you want to share okay um I'm going, to put, I'm going to put you on the timer and everything. It's it's I've Timothy never Hill, been Timothy on a podcast
0: Hill. before, but I'm going to start doing podcasts. And uh, because I'm having this 60th birthday, it feels like a big milestone. And just like something like Saturn Return, big milestones, they don't always have like as abrupt as light and day happening at fucking sunrise. That's a small cycle, 24 hours, 28-year cycle like Saturn Return. It kind of feels a year of shifting. But me being 60, I'm not going to turn over a new leaf Saturday, but I'm gonna start podcasting and I'm gonna quit living to make the next sign. I'm gonna quit worrying about, you know, hanging on to my shop or my self identity as a sign maker among a certain subsector of my community. I'm just gonna live about what I believe, and I believe that the sustainability of our species is at risk because we're a bunch of consumeristic blind sheep that are following behaviors that were, you know, given to us with a healthy dose of inertia and if we don't bust through same shit, different day. And I don't think my grandkids are going to like what's left for them if, if I let that be okay for my generation or my daughter's generation, you know, my grandchildren's generation will pay for it. So I'm, I'm all about trying to make the changes in my life that seem more sustainable and rewilding. You're the first person I knew put that into a sentence after I learned that that was the perfect word for what I've been doing to bring happiness in my life and to see how I would choose to Educate and or influence others to do my part to make a more sustainable species and to increase our chance of survival It would be through rewilding everybody back to you know, the natural behaviors of of our species Which I think is to be tribal and to be aware that all life is connected to us and anything that's good for other life forces or air water sky the whole cosmology, you know, we have to honor it and like it's us and when it's hurting we have to pay attention to that. So that's what I'm about now and I'm, I'm willing to like roll the dice of losing the self identity of being a sign maker by um stepping into that as being a mission I have on this planet. And I'll be do some podcasting inspired by this podcast. So that's my three minutes
1: overtime. Actually under time, that's two minutes and three seconds. Congratulations. I like when you go, I like, I like, you're good at creative constraints. You might want to consider that. And if anyone on, I'm like, I like these little commercials I'm plugging in. If anyone <laughs> I like it too, likes do, doing, using creative constraints to their advantage, to tap into their intuitive intuition and express what's on their heart, rather than trying to mold from their mind of what the message is supposed to be heard, but more speaking from the infinite wisdom of the unknown, definitely download the breaking normal app and uh, give that a go. It's currently working for iPhones, um, soon to be working for other devices, and upgraded. We're in the um, His process. creative
0: constraint means for, you know telling me I only had three minutes and me deciding to distill a message that I didn't want to lose the, the big hurrah, so I was forced to try a different approach. And in case people didn't know what constructive constraints meant, I felt like your Breaking Normal app did teach me the power in that, and you gave it, me a shot to do something in three and I made sure not to miss it. Cause I've missed it with the app and I know how that feels. So nice. Want so people to know about that.
1: And depending on when this is uploaded, it's probably free right now. So download it and we can all play on there. And then Doug, keep breaking normal. I'm excited to hear your podcast. When should we expect it, man? Let's give yourself a creative constraint. To me, this is how, this is how things get done. This is how a dream becomes a reality rather than like, doubting and delaying is by deciding you've decided you're gonna do a podcast then you then you give yourself a deadline so when's the podcast gonna be produced by and then you're willing to declare where you need support
0: okay i got it all in one are you available to do be my first guest tomorrow give me support as well as an hour of your time to hold me to this Uh, One day commitment.
1: Oh, wow. There is a possibility. We have a pretty big day tomorrow, but I'm willing to look into that.
0: Okay. So I don't want to commit to getting one done in January. Is tomorrow still January? One more day. No, tomorrow's February. Oh, is it? (laughs) So I'll do my first one in February. Possibly tomorrow.
1: By the end of February, we should be able to to find your podcast. Yeah. Okay. Whoever's listening, if you want to check in with Doug, where's the best way to find you, by the way?
0: I don't know.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Extra mystery. Leveraging the mystery.
0: I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm so standing on the, uh, the hub of, of choice opportunities and, um, starting a podcast ha- hasn't <laughs> aligned with necessarily choosing one of the, the many choices available to me. So I don't have a domain or, a,
1: well, let's do this. When Doug gets it to us, we'll put it on the breaking com page where the podcast section is and you can oh. find it there.
0: Well, I know what, so let me say this. Um, To whatever degree our introduction was or wasn't complete, Doug Allen, and I'll spell my last name A-L-L-A-N. I'm on Facebook, and I mentioned that I'm going to be more authentic on Facebook because anybody out there, I want to try to just show up as all who I really am or whatever I'm about in that day. I'm not going to at least filter because there might be a customer or an old customer or someone from high school or someone from this different world that I played in or whatever. I'm just gonna show up and I'm inviting anybody on this podcast to hit me up with a friend request on Facebook. We could, you know, connect there or you could just see the latest thing I shared was an amazing post of somebody talking about revealing all sides of themselves, pulling all the skeletons out of the closet, all the things that they were feared would make other people think they had been weak or out of integrity or you know, who knows what it is for one person or another. Fat, lazy or You know, worthless. We've all had those feelings. And so hiding parts of ourselves is maybe why masks have been something we all understand. But to drop the mask, read that great post on my Facebook page and watch for my new podcast.
1: Yeah, there's a part of me that wants to say, you know, what's most personal is most universal, and if there's anything. (laughs) But at the same time, I want to leave that open, because that's a big deal. It's a big deal to open up all the skeletons in the closet to uh, a creative constraint, and that's what our retreats are about. That's what we do at Tribe Designs now. That's how we start them. That's how we started the Rob Ross retreats. Powerful things happen when there's a group of people that are committed. And I think like three days is already pushing it for a short period of time. So I'm not going (laughs) to pressure Doug right now and to confess all of his skulls in the closet of people he doesn't even know he's listening to. But I highly recommend whoever's listening to this to make sure you at least find one person you can do that with that now. Like ASAP. If you don't have that person in your life, find one person to do it. You can share this podcast and be like, hey, you want to be my person? Because allegedly this is extremely healthy. And I, and yes, I'm going to project that it's extremely healthy to have someone that you feel like you can share all your, like all your stuff with that you have nothing to hide in front of them. Yeah. It's healthy. All right. So keep being healthy. Keep breaking normal. Keep blurring lines. Keep being you. It's always changing.
0: All right, Daniel. Likewise, you're a good influence for a lot of people. Thank you. Myself big. included.
1: Yes, mutual. All right. Good guys. to see you on
0: the island. So, aloha to you and all your tribe. Aloha. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society.
1: Aloha, everyone. I trust y'all are so enjoying these transmissions, becoming more of an, an estate of awe more in a state of joy, bliss, blessed. The attitude of gratitude is growing in you. You're becoming a magnet for unavoidable success more and more every day, so you're experiencing life in the most heavenly way you ever have now, and that it only gets better from here on out. That's my prayer for us, and that we're uh, giving our gifts generally, generously, generously, that uh, our cups are spilling over, and if we want to get something to give it, I'll probably leave this outro the same for my episodes I'm recording out here on the big island because honestly, wow, it's been a lot to keep up with, with traveling with uh, our baby and Deanna and all these different climates. Like literally someone can drive to snow, to the beach, to the desert, to valleys, to rivers, all in one day on this island and with my ambition for adventure, it's been pretty it's been a pretty fun opportunity to stay grounded and also prioritize this podcast and my other projects that are built around my passion um if you want to team up with me right now i think our number one offering I'm most excited about is uh on february 22nd we'll launch our next tribe design facilitator training for up to 22 people and that will uh that what that looks like is a month-long virtual training it's awesome life-changing i mean if you're attached to seeking affirmations for your limitations or are you looking to surround yourself with people that don't hold you accountable to your highest it's probably not for you but if you're ready to go all in on your dreams and start living like today is the best day ever and we're not sure how many days we'll have but we're willing to go all in in the meantime this is for you if you want to cultivate the art of being able to design a tribe wherever in the world you go that you just become a magnet for connection and that you understand how to connect people even if they don't agree with one another able to uh, basically be a catalyst for heart sync over group think, if that's something you're looking for, or being able to ret- facilitate retreats that get you paid to share your passion in a way that feels good and makes like money more clean, in my opinion. I think a lot of people think money is dirty because they're trading their time doing something they don't want to do to see numbers move on their screen. And that's one of those moments I would ask you to ask, how much is making this money costing me how much is saving money costing me and to treat money as there's no shortage of it because in reality money is made up and how can something made up be scarce so i trust all these podcasts and transmission are getting you to go all in on your dreams and passions beyond your stories around money time or space because those seem the cultural norms that most people are ready to break through to start living a more liberated life rather than under someone else's ploy so if this resonates with you, go ahead and send your application in today at internationaltribedesign.com. And one of our awesome team members will get back to you to explore if you're a good fit. Because if you are, we want you to start running retreats around the world, designing tribes based on what lights you up the most. Build the people and the places will come. And that seems to be a real reality here while I've been out here in Hawaii. So many people want to show me their the lands they're stewarding, the retreat centers they're building, the ideas around designing functional tribes that are thriving rather than the vicious circle of some of the cultures that are not working. It's been such an inspiring trip and uh, I'm, I'm wanting to team up with the people that are taking the time out of their day to tune in and listen to these ideas about Breaking Normal. And if you're ready to take action, hit me up, breakingnormal.com. I trust if, if you're feeling the call, we'll see you in Austin and uh, we'll get you trained to start facilitating your own events and maybe some even tribe designs. That's what's happening in Austin. Three people that have gone through the program are actually facilitating this event. And our intention is to show up as either supporters or uh, special guests, but more as as experiencing the experience as an attendee, like maybe you who's listening will be. So if you're ready to celebrate life in a tribe design in one of the greatest places on earth, the greatest time to be there, I'm trusting I'll see you in my inbox or I'll see an application from you. And we'll get ready to party in all the cool ways. All the ways that make everything better. This is not like an experience of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's like what happens at a tribe design upgrades everything forever. Hmm. Aloha, y'all. Keep breaking normal.